Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And today I'm very excited to introduce you to partner and chief project officer with Berkshire Consulting, LLC. Jan Schiller. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much, Karen. I really enjoy your invitation to join you today, and I'm really excited for our dialogue. And it's been a couple years that we've known each other. Yes. I feel like you are someone who I've known forever, even though we've really only had a couple of conversations. So today will probably be the longest conversation that we've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad our paths have crossed. I am too. And I would love for our, our viewers and our listeners to know how that took place. You were a guest of Joe Paz's it was before the pandemic. Yes. 2019. It was 2019, yeah. Yeah, and you had, were you still in Wisconsin? Yes, I was at that time. Okay, tell us tell us how this all came to be. And then, of course, we just absorbed you and kept you here in Arizona. <laughs> That's true. I had the pleasure of crossing paths with Joe virtually when I joined in a three-day project management conference that was virtual at the time. And afterwards, I used the power of LinkedIn to really connect with the people that presented that really resonated with me, and Joe was one of them. Uh, So we connected. I was pleased to be invited to a show where um, I was joined with another gentleman in a project management position from, I believe, a copper uh, mining industry at the time, which was a great dynamic, and I learned so much. And I was speaking about um, how to establish and maintain scope for a project management office. Finally, I had the opportunity to meet Joe in person when Berkshire Consulting sponsored the last project management summit that was held at Arizona State University and hosted by the two PMI chapters, the local chapters here for Phoenix and Tucson. And I had the opportunity to meet him in person finally. And that was just recently. Yeah, it was. It was uh, maybe two weeks ago. And from 2020, having met each other, uh, at least online, remotely, Mm -hmm. being a guest on the show to all these years later, now living in the Metro Phoenix area. I love that. Yeah, it's really fabulous. Yes. And Joe's no longer doing his podcast with us. However, he remains the legend. <laughs> oh, is. yeah. It's the first and I think still the only radio broadcast that specialized in project management office. Yeah. You know, project management office hours was a great name. And all that yeah, really was. Project management office hours uh, still out there on all the major platforms. And I know Joe continues to be a leader and a magnet oh. when it comes to project management internationally, which oh, is yeah. really fantastic. So I'm He's so glad. Famous. That he is famous. Joe, PMO Joe, PMO right? Joe, yeah. Well, I love it. So, and, and you and I have had an opportunity to stay connected a little bit on LinkedIn and then through some charitable opportunities as well. I would love though for not only for my interests, but for our viewers and our listeners, for you to really give us everything that, that you can today around why project management for you and, and then why showing up as a consultant in the way that you do. So what's the backstory, Jen? How did you fall into project management? And then, of course, having this company. I fell into project management when I was in my eighth grade English class. Believe it or not, I had a flash of career insight. Don't ask me why. I think it's through osmosis, through my father's work. Um, He led a team um, in a papermaking industry, um, and they developed um, the shiny coatings that you see on, you know, great magazines. Um, So he, he... would take me to bring your you know kids to work day, give us a tour of a papermaking industry. And part of his process was to test the glass coating on the paper as it was running through, you know, before it's cut. 
I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to tour an industry like that, but it is so um, equipment intensive, right? So I was super impressed. The the machines are like two stories tall and run at amazing speeds. And I think that's how I got the interest. And it turns out um, my neighbor, uh, one of my best friends, um, her father was the CIO at the same company. So I'm guessing that that's why eighth grade was so important to me. Uh, But it sure made choosing a college a lot more easier. It's like shopping for something to wear on your feet. And I want green high-heeled pumps, right? It helped me focus so much. Yep. Uh, then I um, chose uh, management information systems degree at a Wisconsin University at Eau Claire. And I think the enthusiasm that the instructors brought, two of them were actually out in industry. You know, they're actually doing their jobs in industry and then also teaching at the university. Like, for example, the team that was formed in my database class, it was one of the hardest and most enjoyable classes I've ever had. Um, And that really got me kind of hooked. So the management information systems degree was more comprehensive and it's kind of like combining um, like uh, computer science and business administration all in one major. And that's kind of a niche, right? I mean, are there a lot of people out there with that combo doing what you're doing the way you're doing it? Oh, I'm sure there are. I know that that um, comprehensive major, they didn't continue that at some point since I graduated, you know, eons ago with regards to that particular approach with management information systems. But I'm sure other universities have that. And I think the path that project management takes When I started, there really was no such thing as even a project management class. And now you can get master's degrees in project management from prestigious universities like George Washington University. Um, I was invited to teach at Boston University. So there's many more opportunities for that kind of formal education, as well as all the educational opportunities that are out there in terms of conferences or webinars or, you know, in-class training still. What is the value that a project manager either a project manager or the project management mindset and approach to business, what's the, what's the benefit? And I'm really thinking of, I mean, I know because I produced many, many yes. of Joe's shows and, and we've gotten to know each other quite well, but for our viewers and listeners who really may not have a grasp on what, what it is to be involved in project management, what would you just say to somebody if they were first time curious I think everyone does a project. I mean, I've talked at um, some panel discussions and used the example of going to a grocery store. I mean, why do you go to a grocery store? Well, you want to have a fantastic meal with someone. Maybe it's your family or your friends or it's a business function. But when you think about how you go about that, um, first you decide the result, right? What kind of meal am I having? What's the menu? And then you can back into, well, if I need to go shopping, I need these ingredients that will deliver the menu that everyone can sit down and enjoy this fabulous meal. But then you have to determine the path you're going to take, right? Where do you live? Even if you live close to a grocery store and can walk to it, you might not want to carry all those groceries back in the same fashion. So do you have a car? How long will it take you to get there? Do you get your frozen foods last or first, you know, depending on how far away you are? So there's many different examples. Um, I think when you worked with Joe, you were managing a project about how to, you know, make him and your show at Business Radio X so successful. The value that we deliver to our clients is about as varied as there are organizations and the strategies that they have, right? So Berkshire Consulting really specializes in delighting our clients because we transform their strategies from a nice strategy map that sits on an office QB wall (laughs) into an actual result. That's really where the rubber meets the road, and that's where they get their ROI, and um, they achieve basically their desired outcome. So even though it's also varied in terms of the industries and the types of roles we have or the projects, um, it kind of follows the same kind of pattern, right? So 
like a key stakeholder, let's say it's a project sponsor or a project team member or anyone observes that hmm, there might be some struggles going on with trying to achieve their desired objective, whatever that is, and they are concerned that a project's poor performance may not bode well for their organization. So they give us a call, a company that's been down many, many solution delivery paths over the last quarter century, and we are a company that understands our situation. And we talk to them about how we reveal the path from where they are to where they want to be. So it's, it varies, right, depending on what the organization is and what they're looking to accomplish. And then we, um, they decide to engage with us, right? We talk about how we set up key milestones on that path so they can tell if they're making the critical progress they need to make. We help them know how to recover from deviations from that path because projects don't always go exactly according to plan. We talk about how we help them transparently and consistently and confidently communicate all their schedule and budget information in a timely manner. And basically, we bring together like uh, project management along with that path, a solution delivery path. What do we need to do in order to get you where you want to go? We manage that to ensure that their outcome is realized in the way they envisioned it at the beginning of the project. And so we kind of help them you know, transform this result that could have been maybe a disappointment or even a failure into something that meets or exceeds expectations. And, you know, they get what they want, their desired outcome is achieved, and the ship is righted, and everyone's happy. The other thing I'm thinking about as you close up that example is that even if a project ends, well, when someone succeeds, let me back up, when someone or a company succeeds, if they don't really know how they landed there, right. they don't have those milestones and the data to show and to prove this is why this worked, then, then it's guesswork and, and likely not duplicatable. So how often are the teams that you work with like, oh my gosh, let's do this again? <laughs> oh, um, mostly all the time. I mean, with uh, I think it's common in the consulting world, but especially in our experiences, we judge our success by how often we hear the word Wow. And which is quite often, and it's a consistent sign that we're delighting our clients. And, uh, you know, we kind of call it our wall factor. But instead of letting us go right away, you know, consultants aren't necessarily have the job security that employees might in terms of, you know, someone could come to me tomorrow, a client or a sponsor can say, you know what, our engagement's over. <laughs> but instead, they ask us to continue. Um, sometimes we've been at clients for three, four years, sometimes seven, because they see the confidence and the credibility that we have in our first assignment, maybe when we were even unknown to them. But then it becomes kind of apparent, even if they aren't necessarily familiar with project management, and most organizations are, we do a fair amount of um, education on what it is and isn't when we're engaged. Um, but it's such a pleasure to, you know, that's the direct relationship between, like, say, the performance of myself and our employees, mm -hmm. uh, because you get that immediate feedback on whether you're performing well or not. And because you can be let go the next day, um, it's a great feeling, at least for me, to know that they loved it so much that they're going to ask me to do it again in a different scenario, even internally in the own organization. So it's, I love to learn, and this is like the most fantastic profession I can think of to always be learning. And how long have you been a consultant with this company? And prior to that, you mentioned that you had an opportunity to, to be a professor, but what else has taken place from eighth grade until oh. today, right? <laughs> so I did graduate from college and what I did is I just took the basic offerings from the placement office. So if I had to say what is one of my biggest regrets in my whole career is there's a whole wide world out there, right? And not everything is represented through the placement office at a college, but um, that's a, uh, 
approach I took. And I landed at a Fortune 500 insurance company in Milwaukee. And I was glad because some of my friends were there. So it's always easier to simulate into a, a new city, um, even though it's not that big. And uh, that's where I landed. And I lasted 14 years. And I did a lot of cool things. I've held about every single position on a solution delivery path in addition to being a project manager. I was really, really lucky because when I landed, um, you know, it's a random assignment of a new hire to a manager. And I was in their IT department. And my first manager had the insights to, like, see my strengths, right? Um, instead of focusing on making an improvement opportunity into a strength, he really just tried to maximize what I did well. Um, he gave me my personal tagline. I put structure and ambiguity showed up on one of my early performance reviews. You've stuck with it ever since. <laughs> I've stuck with it ever since because it was so rewarding. And three years after I started, I was managing my first project. That was seven phases over four years. And wow. I just learned so much. So that's how I got started, how I made the shift from like that. It was at the time brick and mortar, pretty traditional employment model sure. at that major insurer. And then this is a fun story. <laughs> About uh, in 1999, I was uh, directing a project management office. And that's kind of like my interest where I um, tuned into Joe on that project management office conference. But I hired a woman into our organization, into the project management office that I was directing because we offered mentor services. We sit down at the elbow, like you, you Karen, could take training on how to best use Microsoft Project, but then you have to apply it in your job. So we would focus on helping the, the person that just had the training successfully apply it at their particular situation because it's all kind of different. So I hired her in and after about six months, she goes, hey, let's go to lunch. And I said, sure. Um, it turns out that she um, talked about her daughter's new company called Berkshire Consulting. No. And now her daughter is my business partner. That's we were about uh, two months apart. She's older than I am. Hi, Robin. <laughs> and <laughs> at one time we had um, four business partners and then for various reasons, retirement, family commitments, uh, we're back down to two. But I've never worked so well with someone so seamlessly you know what I mean? It's yeah. almost like an effortless partnership. We have the same approach to life. I learned from her. She's, you know, she's got her master's in finance. So she's like our chief finance officer and I have no aptitude for that. So it's a great fit. What a great fit. And it's been how long? How 20 um, years? 1999 I joined. Um, and I've been having fun ever since. <laughs> and, and Robin is in Wisconsin? Yeah, she's still in Wisconsin. Her headquarters um, is uh, Port Washington. Yeah. Which and, is north of Milwaukee. And what brought you to Arizona besides our great oh, weather? I've always wanted, yeah, the great weather. But um, I love the geography. I've always had an interest in coming here. Like for whatever reason, when I fly over or land in Phoenix to get to my client, wherever they're at, I'm always happy here. And then um, I have two children and they launched, right? My daughter um, graduated from graduate school as a vet and my son um achieved his CPA in the first attempt on all four of those really tough exams. Wow. And I thought, this is the perfect time now. I mean, I've always wanted to kind of come out here. I have um, really good friends here. Uh, and that, like I said, helps whenever you come to a new community. And they were wonderful and supportive. And again, it's like a honeymoon. I still go back to Wisconsin. My family and friends are still there. Yeah. But uh, it's really fabulous. And so uh, your clientele is all over the country or is it international? Tell us about kind of the scope of the types of companies that you work with. We do. Um, we support domestic national business only. Okay. We're not set up from an insurance perspective to do international business. And it really hasn't been our dream. We've always kind of intended to be under 20 people. Okay. We're kind of like a micro 
business, not even a small business, I would say. Uh, we've been hugely successful, um, but we want to keep it under 20 because we kind of um, want to keep uh, our model is really based on uh, these three founding partners, Robin included. They really wanted to take the best things that they had when they were all working at this large global accounting company and set up a business model that was focused on delivering the most value by reducing overhead as much as possible. Uh, so that one of the features of that is we're virtual. That's really helped us even since inception, right? We're really good at working remotely because we've been doing it uh, the whole career. But some of the things as it relates to where we're capable of doing businesses um, in light of doing the low overhead, we also try and keep like our insurances low and setting up to do international business is another whole leap. And keeping us under um, 20 was designed to keep our um, compliance efforts commensurate with the size of the business, right? When you get over 2025, then you have different things you need to do with a lot more effort to comply with things like SOX or HIPAA or benefit administration. So we've been pretty happy in that that micro space for the last 25 years. And the rest of the world caught up with you or the rest of the U.S. caught up with you when it was COVID and we had no choice but to go remote. Yeah. And you were already well positioned and that's what you'd been doing for a very long time. Yeah, and Arizona is also attractive from a business perspective. Um, you know, we gave us some careful consideration and a lot of help from the Greater Phoenix Economic Council was really helpful. We just noticed that such a vibrant business community, leading edge thinking with regards to smart cities, digital inclusion and equity, um, fantastic universities, you mentioned the climate and the geography, you know, all of that came together and we were just looking forward to getting so more like deeply connected and involved in those that kind of vibrant business community and giving back to the the greater Phoenix area. That's done that. Yeah. We were, um, we had a chance to see each other at least for a year through mm -hmm. our 100 Businesses That Care Greater Phoenix area. What other either professional organizations are you involved in or even philanthropic work? Is there anything that has your attention right now beyond what you're already doing for your clientele? The philanthropic work is really in the form of sponsorships. We were the longest continuous sponsor of the PMI chapter in the Milwaukee area as long as until um, COVID hit, and then they stopped doing a whole bunch of things, obviously. But that's really how we best support the project management community and the project managers in it is sponsor these events that are designed to further their education and help them feel more confident in the careers that they've chosen. And that's why we chose to sponsor that PM Summit here. And now I'm interested in all, everything that the local chapter of PMI has to offer here. Yeah. It's a great organization well, and it really does offer, back. yes. Yeah. In terms of just general interests, that's what we look for. And one of my favorite roles is to work as a mentor, even if I'm formally in the role of a project manager or program manager or whatever. Um, I love working with the project team, bringing them together, getting everyone focused on the same target because projects go so much easier when everyone's arrows are like pointed at the same target. What are the keys to a successful project? When, when you know that you're going for the wow yeah, <laughs> and somebody's brand new... How are you guiding that leadership team to better understand what, what are the keys to it? Like, I, part of it is people, right? I mean, you've, to your point, you've got to have people on the same page marching in the same direction. Yes. What, what else are important aspects of project people management? People and communication are probably the most important things. Um, I once worked at an organization back in the mid-2000s, and I got asked a question by the 2B project sponsor that I found really revealing. It was, how are you going to earn my confidence? because I hadn't met him before, I hadn't known him before, I'm new to the organization. 
my response was, I'm going to communicate with you and you're going to have to give me the high sign, right? The first three weeks, you'll probably get a whole lot of questions from me. If I'm still asking questions a lot after three weeks, you'll know I'm maybe not getting it yet. But after the fourth week, it's just uh, that consistent, open, honest, timely communication is one of the key factors that I almost like demand of any project team that I have. No surprises if you don't feel comfortable telling me issues, especially, right? The surprises that come up. How are you going to navigate any deviations from where you wanted to go, whether that's prompted internally by the organization's sponsors or market changes or industry changes? That is, to me, the key success factor that I've had my entire project management career. And the other one is simply to work the plan to the best of your ability. Imagine. Imagine that. (laughs) So uh, working with leadership, the greatest compliment I got was I was working at a major insurer and their investment team, and we're doing some work with uh, derivative management and achieving their objectives there. Talk about learning a lot. (laughs) Um, But I was so impressed with everyone. But we had the opportunity to uh, work through a platform change, basically. We did a process improvement that sounded really easy when I say it. It's switching the order of two key systems in order to decrease the amount of time they had in half to change out their outsourced um, investment traders. And we did it, and we stayed together long enough for the next two projects to prove that we actually achieved the outcome of cutting the time in half to make that change for the organization. In half, was that the, was that the goal? Was that the milestone? Yep, that was the milestone. And, and you achieved it. Yeah, and uh, the, one of the project sponsors said, oh, you're like my general on the ground. He trusted me that I would always be open, honest, and consistent in my communication, very transparent, very visible. And it's great when everyone takes accountability for their contributions to a project. And some people don't like that, but that's another success from my perspective is I'm going to hold myself accountable for my role and what I'm designed to do, um, but I'm also going to hold other people accountable for their contributions to the same desired outcome. Project sponsors, can you define that for us for those of us that are not in the project management world? What or who is a project sponsor? A project sponsor is someone who pays for the project usually. Okay. Uh, It could be um, also... It just depends on the organization structure. If projects automatically report to the finance area of the organization, they got that sealed up. Um, but it could be someone that simply uh, wants whatever the desired outcome of the organization is. So just to give you some examples of what that is, it could be someone that's responsible for new product development or implementation or introduction. Mm -hmm. Uh, We help in that capacity. We help improve a process, like I mentioned before. We help improve productivity. We could be a lot of clients, obviously, are interested in delivering the best digital experience to their customers. We help with that. We help with uh, regulatory compliance. We help migrate custom-developed applications into an industry standard platform, say, for e-commerce or learning management. We've worked at major breweries and had a long-standing relationship with one. I've helped Such out life variety. sciences. Organ- it, that, that's the thrill for me. Um, I think for the other employees in our organization is we kind of focus on empowering our employees. That's to me our, our biggest success, not only keeping the overhead low so that we're delivering the most value. But um, when we empower our employees and we focus on their well-being, three really important things come out of our business model that way. One is that They choose their client just as much as the client chooses them. That's a huge win-win. No one is mandating at Berkshire Consulting that, Karen, you shall go to Pennsylvania and work for this client. It's uh, it's a choice. 
they retain nearly all of their income because of our low overhead model. And they are have all the flexibility they need and want in order to achieve whatever their work-life balance is. Some people want to work like mad till they retire. Some people want to take some time off and spend their time with their kids during the summer when they're not in school. Whatever that looks like to our employees is what we're focused on. And it varies, obviously, yes. for the different uh, personalities and the different work uh, commitment as far as you know where they are in their stage in life. Exactly. And, and how big is your team right now? Oh, right now we're four. Yes. Incredible. A retirement is set in. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But the, the cool thing about um, consulting for me is we can do it for however long we want, however long we're adding value, however yeah. long we're capable of applying our now massive skills and experience to the best benefit of helping the client get where they want to go. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it enough that I'll keep working past my traditional retirement age, you know. And as a mentor, what are some of the things that you find consistently you're saying to people when they're asking for guidance? I know that's a very broad question, but as it relates <laughs> to being a professional, communication, I'm already hearing communication is key. Yeah, communication is key. Role playing is key. Right, to give people the actual confidence, like when they're speaking to a stakeholder, usually an executive, that they can communicate briefly, brilliantly, and then be gone unless there's questions, right? How do you scale your communication to the audience, um, especially executives for new project managers? Uh, they don't want to know how you're doing things, really. They just want to know the key facts about the project. So I go in with a standard agenda. It's called a project status report. I'm going to tell you, you started here. We're here. This is how far we have left to go to what we agreed you want to achieve. And then it's always the same agenda unless there's, you know, the surprises, the issues, the realized risks, things like that that need to be managed, requested project changes. Um, but it's really all they want to know is if you're not going according to plan, why? You have to be prepared to answer the why questions. And I find a lot of mentoring is about... <clears throat> excuse me, actually helping that person be able to answer the why question and the when question. And they have to have a tool that supports them in that. A lot of projects are, unless they're more than two or three weeks long, are pretty complex and it's not everything you can keep in your head. That one project I mentioned when I helped uh, change out the, uh, like cut the time in half for changing out their outsourced investors, uh, it was like over 100 people on my team and we were working with the buying organization as well as nine other organizations to all end on the same date. So, you know, one person can't make it, one organization doesn't quite meet it. You got to kind of start over again and pick a new date that everyone can meet. So those two questions are um, being able to sit down with someone and say, uh, I have the presence to not cave when they're like, hey, how come we're not on track, yeah, right. right? And some people can be very sort of that way is to remain a calm, just, you know, just the facts kind of presence and say, this is where we're at. This is what's happened. This is why things have changed. What is the impact of whatever happened that got you off your path? How are you going to bring it back? So having a tool in place obviously is critical, especially the larger the project also being able to articulate where you're at and where you're going and yep. why you are where you're at, that role-playing really matters. And I would imagine that's very different than what a lot of people might do in mentoring. I mean, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> but not necessarily show you, right. but I hear you saying, I'm going to, I'm going to help you understand why this is important. I'm going to show you. And then I also want to hear <laughs> how you're doing it so I can give you some feedback. Yeah. When I mentor, I think my overall goal, no matter what, is to really share my experience and, and like, 
knowledge in a way that inspires their wisdom and their confidence. And that's almost exactly the opposite of telling them what they need to do. Right. It's really kind of guiding them so that they can apply their own best thinking, right, and get in the habit of doing that in a project management context. So it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. The two years that you've been here in Arizona, what has surprised you about uh, our business community? You, are, you mentioned some highlights, but are there any surprises? I remember when, I mean, Joe... It was on my show when I just first opened the studio almost seven years ago, and he himself was brand new mm-hmm. to Arizona. We were riding up an elevator. We just finished a networking event. I'm like, hey, you sound like an interesting guy. Want to come and be on my show? <laughs> He's like, sure. And then Don't six we. years later, five years later, uh, we got to see him a couple of times a month. I remember him saying there were a few surprises having hailed from Atlanta and before that New York. Okay. How about for you? Anything that surprises you and, and delights you or surprises you and has you going, err? <laughs> I don't think there's any er moments yet. Um, I am really surprised um, coming from Wisconsin. It's a, a different industry base. When I came here, um, I was really impressed with largely what I would say infrastructure work. You know, what uh, the physical things you need to do to deliver the internet to people in remote areas here. I was really impressed by the manufacturing here, uh, the focus on semiconductors. That was something that I wasn't even aware of, right? Arizona's great, got a great climate. And then we moved down here and it's it's great to understand like what are the key things that really Arizona wants to focus on to be their best self. So I haven't had any ear moments. Um, it's just been a lot of fun learning a, a new community. It's very dynamic. And when I say vibrant, there's so much going on that um, I'm glad I subscribed to, I think it's the Arizona Commerce Authority. It puts out a newsletter. Here's the top five things you should be focused on. I read that with a lot of interest. It seems like Arizona knows where they want to be and is making great progress to get there. We've had a lot of clarity in the six or seven years that, again, I've been a direct um, benefactor of our business community and a contributor to. When I first opened the studio, we had uh, one of our shows. The conversation was really around who is Arizona as it relates to business. Mm-hmm. What do we want our stamp to be? Like, what do we want to stand by? There was a lot of question. And, and as people came on that show, there were a lot of different perspectives as to who we should be. We don't want to be the next Silicon Valley. We don't want to be this. We don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. We have this um, wild west and this this kind of this freedom to be who we are. And then like Sky Harbor Airport says, we are the friendliest airport. We believe that we're the friendliest business community as well. It's oh, kind of, I agree with that. I, we are. And, and we do business differently. And one of the things, and I hope I'm quoting Joe correctly, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. One of the surprising things for him is like, we just do business differently. It is a let's get to know each other. Yeah. Let's have coffee. Let Like, the, you know, the friend before you became a partner and said, hey, let's go to coffee. And now the next thing is you're going to be her daughter's business partner. <laughs> That's how we do business, you know, right? We're golfing together. We're having dinner together. We're going to some sort of sporting event together. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that community building, deals are made and partnerships are formed. And, and I know that that felt a little different. It wasn't as formal as what Joe remembered. So Joe, I know you're going to be listening, so go ahead and correct me. <laughs> Send me an email or a text and let me know if I got that wrong. But uh, we're, we're very proud of who we are. And I, I agree with you. I've witnessed in the last several years that we, as a greater Phoenix business community, and that includes higher ed, small and medium-sized business, enterprise, and local first and Arizona Commerce Authority, and Arizona mm-hmm. Tech, Tech Council, and the Greater Phoenix Economic Development Council, all of it. We're just this beautiful melting pot that we look across each other and say, how can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> Competition is good. And how can I best support your success? Because when you win, we all win. 
Exactly. That's what makes managing projects here such as a, like a delight. Yeah. You know, it's very enjoyable. And I would imagine uh, when you are managing projects, there's a lot of cross-discipline, uh, right? A lot of different groups within a company having to be part of it. So you've got to have make sure that the communication is key. Yeah. And that one project you mentioned, there were nine other businesses or vendors involved. Yeah. It's a lot to get to know, right? A lot to get to know. And how, what was the duration of that? Again, a couple of years? Um, it was um, almost one year to deliver the platform, the base solution. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, like I said, it was uh, 54 days and 52 days. The goal was under 60 to get the next two projects delivered. The thrilling thing about that for me, especially as a consultant, is I was in at the beginning of the project to get started to deliver the base solution. I had the pleasure of seeing how what we all talked about actually showed up at the release to the customers. But then the entire team was able to stay together and I think that's so powerful when an organization realizes the power of the team and how well they gel together to keep them together um, so that you leverage all that investment that you made in the team in the beginning to actually go through and do what we said we were going to do. And so often I don't have the pleasure of sticking with a project long enough to see if what I was talking about at the beginning, especially at ideation or business justification, how that actually turns out and it's then, nice and, when you can. Oh, and, yeah. and why why is it that you sometimes don't do that? Because then it becomes an internal project or speak to that a little bit. How does it happen that that wouldn't always be the case? It's always usually an internal project owned by the buying organization. Uh -huh. So as a consultant, we're aligning with their culture and their experience, um, their project environment, their governance standards. Um, I think it just has to do largely with funding. The, what is their budget? Yeah. Are they looking at the overall investment that project management brings and adding value to their organization? Or am I just an expense? And, you know, yeah. pretty soon after three months, they want to minimize their expenses. A lot of times I transition internally to a project manager, whether that's a junior project manager that I've been working with as part of the engagement, or they hire someone on and now they want to bring the project management in-house, which is a solid thing to do. I have this visual of um, a, a track runner, a track and field, and the baton. And here you are running and yep. starting it yep. and getting that momentum and then passing it on beautifully to the next person. And their hands out reaching, ready to go, and, and off they go with it, right? And then you get to, to slow down. Yep, exactly. On to the next project. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's the next project within the same organization. I've yeah. been at uh, companies where I'm in one department. Uh, sponsoring department, building and collection, for example. And then I moved on to investments and then I moved on to supporting their agency, uh, you know, the agents in the field. And uh, even within an organization, it's wonderful to have that broad impact and be seen as someone that's competent and, and credible and capable of taking on a lot of things. Yeah. Professionally. What's next for you? I, I hear retirement, but I hear it way out here <laughs> because you love what you do. Yeah. Are there any um, aspects of your professional life that you think, gosh, when I can take a pause or I'd like to focus on this next layer for myself? Is there anything out there that's been a, a dream of yours that you haven't obtained yet? Uh, I came close so far. Um, my wildly important goal, Karen, is I want to leave the world better than I found it. And of course, have fun doing it. <laughs> um, and as I think about the things that really appeal to me, I feel really drawn to um, uh, projects that have a sustainability impact, uh, water, health, ocean health. I wouldn't turn down any opportunities in the wine industry. You know, some fun things like that. Yeah. That's what I'm really focused on now in terms of because we all have a choice. Remember I said that we can choose our client just like they can choose us. 
it's something that I'm searching for. I keep track of what is going on in that industry. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the ocean cleanup. It's not something that I can consider because they're a Norwegian organization and we don't do business internationally. But they've it was started by an 18-year-old student who had a passion to clean up the great garbage patches of the ocean. And he got funding, and now they're on their third iteration of a system to do that. So it, that's what I mean by sustainability type of projects, because I want to leave the world a better place. I'd like to be able to find something that is more pointed at um, water. Not that anything that I've ever done in the 30 years I've been managing projects hasn't been important or hadn't, hasn't had a significant impact because we're helping organizations achieve their strategies. And there's a calling, though. <laughs> Definitely a calling. Yeah. I'm certain I'm doing what I'm meant to do on this. Earth. And we need it. We need that focus and that expertise in those areas that you've highlighted around sustainability, especially when it comes to water. Yeah. Um, interesting. How about outside of professional life? Is there anything um, a hobby-wise or you mentioned wine? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a hobby. <laughs> Let's that call sounds, it a hobby. Have you made it to our wineries here? Oh, I'm in- starting to, yeah. Yeah, well, this is a great time of year to do it, too. I know. It's lovely. Um, we'll be going to the Carolyn Commons has an art and wine festival this weekend and I really enjoy that. So. so good. I do love walking in the desert. I won't say a hike. I do not like taking on, you know, a thousand feet of elevation and 400 feet. Nothing like that. I do. Um, but it, I find the desert immensely peaceful and calming and, and motivating. Uh, I love to scuba dive. I'd like to take that back up. I don't know if I knew that. I was certified diver in the early 90s and probably till 96, just, you know, as again, a hobby with my then husband. And I... I really would like to get recertified and get back in the water and yeah. try that again. That's fascinating. How how recent has it been since you've oh, been diving? Oh, a long time. Um, I had a great dive partner, and we managed to get down to the Caribbean about once a year, mostly because I had young kids at the time, and I wasn't yep. especially equipped to um, take it. Um, but she um, retired earlier than I did by about 10 years, and she would she just is achieving her dream, I'm really sure, because she wanted to travel the world and she was very interested in volunteering and giving back. And she would contact me and say, hey, I'm going to South Africa for six weeks. Do you want to come? And then I'm not coming back home. I'm going up to this place or that place. And I just really admired that, but I wasn't able to to join her in that. So I haven't scuba dived really since we've been together. There's some neat places to have the the training again. I know I personally would need to go through training again. And you do have to anyway. recertify yeah. after two years and it's been way longer than right. two and years. We did, but we only have swimming pools or saguaro lake for you know the and a couple of other lakes lake pleasant that sort of thing for the the checkout dive i got to do my checkout dive in Kauai, which was yes. amazing yes yeah, so we did all of our pool work here and it was our honeymoon actually and we went to Kauai and we did our checkout dive and had several great dives after that in mexico and california coast and i think that's the best recommendation i would have for someone taking up scuba diving is do your pro work locally yeah and then Go to someplace like Kauai where you can actually get in warm water, see what's coming, have great visibility. Yeah. I've been with um, some dives where the dive master got their certification off the coast of, say, Portugal or England, oh. right? And I'm like, ooh, I won't even go into Lake Michigan and go diving. <laughs> it's dark. It's cold. <laughs> right. So. Oh, my gosh. So a passion to get back in the water and, and go, yeah, go dive. I think that water is kind of a theme for me. It is me, too, especially um, here in this desert. <laughs> yeah, that's a, another, um, you know, aha that I got. Not an unpleasant one, but um, I've always grown up with my dad, who we had a like, like a local well on our property. And water conservation was important even back then, right? It's like when you brush your teeth, turn off the water. Yep. So I grew up that way. And then moving here, it just how much of a feature it is in the conversation and the dialogue that goes on at the government level and the communities here. 
it's interesting to see, and I'm glad I had developed those habits previously. Same, kind of same with like me. Right yep, I grew up in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay Area in the early 70s, and I there was that conversation all the time around conservation. Now I've got a 16-year-old who doesn't realize that water does is not endless. So right. I'm having to remind him, shut off the water. Here's how many minutes you have for your shower. Yeah. It's not an endless, you know, endless source. For folks who are interested in getting to know more about you and your company and want to know, you know, if they would be a great fit with one of you as consultants, what's the best place to get started? How does that begin to happen for people? Uh, you can contact us on our website. It's berkshire-consulting.com. You can reach out to us on LinkedIn. And you can contact me or schedule time with me on calendly.com slash Jan Schiller. Jan Schiller. And so we, when we first got started talking today, you mentioned that you really took advantage of the LinkedIn as an opportunity to networking and to know mm-hmm. people. Are you still actively involved in LinkedIn and finding that that's still a great source of connection? I think LinkedIn came out with a new benefit. I logged in and viewed my profile one day, and on there was a little badge that said top project management contributor. I'm like, how did I get that? Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, it's, I really, like I said, I like sharing my inf- uh, knowledge and um, experience in a way that'll help others. You can find me on, there's a digital project management magazine dedicated to project management called PM World 360. I'm a contributor there. Um, you can also find my articles um, associated with my profile on LinkedIn. And I do like to, you know, when I comment, sometimes uh, there's another gentleman named Andy Kaufman that I met at that same PMO We've conference. we had Andy on with Joe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's um, a delightful person. And I like, uh, he asks these great you know, insightful questions, and it gives everyone the opportunity through their comments to say, yeah, and this is what it means to me, or this is how I go about doing that. So he's a great conversation starter on those topics that are probably of great interest to all project managers. I highly recommend following him. Okay, good. And of course, we'll follow you. So on LinkedIn, Jan Schiller and Berkshire, Berkshire, I keep saying that. That's okay. We got our name because... uh, one of the founding partners for our very first client on the East Coast was driving from Wisconsin to the East Coast through the Berkshire Mountains. So that's, that's how we got our name. Uh, we like it because it doesn't describe what we do. Uh, we can pivot internally if we need to without having to change our name. Smart. And we're not related at all to Berkshire Hathaway. It's the most common question we get. I'm sure it is. <laughs> right. Are you an offshoot from that? So LinkedIn, Jan Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R, mm-hmm. and uh, Berkshire dash consulting.com. Yes. It's been so fun to get to know you better today. Thank you, Karen. It's been wonderful. And I enjoy the opportunity to share a little bit about what we do. Well, hopefully you'll be back again. On a wonderful Business Radio X. It's a great fit. Woohoo! For sure. We think so. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean project management. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Have a great day. Mm -hmm.